But at the same time, they also have an incentive to acquire a lot of different contracts. And then what ends up usually happening is that the quality of the service they provide suffers. Hey, it's JP. Hi, it's Excel. And you're listening to Terry Shower on the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. Welcome to this episode of the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. So today, just you and I are going to have a little conversation about managing the manager. And I realized that I should have done a show about this a while ago, but, you know, being a property manager myself, I haven't had that much experience managing other managers. And this week I had to go to a town that's a little bit away from Montreal. So I had to go to Trois-Rivières to fire a property manager that I'd been working with for about the past year on a property there and uh, who had actually taken on more properties in the portfolio. And so I wanted to, you know, tell you a little bit about that experience and then tell you a little bit about a five-point strategy for managing the property manager. So basically, this was somebody who I found on Google and, you know, they were the first person who popped up. And then when I went to their office, the person seemed pretty knowledgeable and being a property manager myself, I felt like I knew the right questions to ask, what kind of software they use, how they manage their rent. But I didn't really speak to any other previous clients of theirs. So that was maybe a, a mistake. And then as the relationship continued, um, we had various hiccups with rent didn't get cashed for two months at a time. When we asked, you know, why that was happening, the person didn't really have a proper answer for it. And then the last item that ended up sealing the the deal of of the end of our relationship was with managing work. And so basically, like we had a list of very specific things, uh, maintenance things that needed to happen on the building, and the person really didn't take care of them. Never mind in a timely manner; they just didn't take care of them at all. And so then, you know, then that led to us looking for someone else and ending the relationship. But really what I want to tell you about today is some of the things that are important to do when you're recruiting someone and when you understand what hiring a property manager is about in the first place. So the first thing I say in general when working with professionals is it's important to understand what their incentives are. So people get paid a certain way. And if you understand the financial rewards in a particular industry, you're going to understand where your incentives and the professional's incentives might not be perfectly aligned. So the first thing to understand about property management is that it's a low margin business. So a little bit like insurance, it means that the person will be cashing a monthly fee, usually a percentage of rents. So for example, my property management company, when we were taking on new clients, was charging 7% of gross rent. That's fairly standard in Quebec. In other regions, it can go up to 10%. But basically, that's kind of an industry standard. So you got to figure that on a unit that's rented for $1,000, the property manager is going to be making anywhere between $50 and $100 per month. So that's not a lot of money. And basically, the way property management works is that it's a volume basis. So in order for the company to make a decent amount of money, they have to take on a lot of clients and they have to hope that the units that those clients have don't cost them much time. And there's kind of this incentive to just take on more and more and more business because the more recurring revenue you have, basically you get paid on the number of units you have. You don't get paid on the quality of your service. And so where this can then be a problem, I mean, you know, since it's kind of good because in one way, the property manager gets paid the same way you do. They take a percentage of gross rents. And if 
your one of your units is empty, then that means they're not getting paid on that unit. So, you know, they have an incentive to fill up the units and have your tenants be paying. But at the same time, they also have an incentive to acquire a lot of different contracts. And then what ends up usually happening is that the quality of the service they provide suffers and ends up being a little bit like insurance. Like basically, if you're a property manager, the best thing you can hope for is that your phone doesn't ring. And if your phone's not ringing, you're not necessarily going to take it upon yourself to go and visit the properties or to entrepreneurially just make go and make sure that things are okay. Like usually that's not part of one of the things that property managers do. They're mostly in a reactive mode where they're sitting there waiting for the tenants to call or they're waiting for someone not to pay. And then once that happens, they will take action. Well, we hope that they will take action. So that's the first thing to understand. So when you're interviewing somebody, uh, one of the things that you might want to know is what is their portfolio size and what kind of team do they have? And, and then what's their competence level? Because in a sense, somebody who's, let's say a single operator who manages, you know, 40, 50 doors, you might actually end up getting better service from that person than from a bigger company with 500 doors or a thousand doors, because the person who's managing a smaller portfolio, they are still feel personally responsible and might have more of a tendency to act as somebody who is you know, actually per personally looking at, at, at what's going on with the properties, as opposed to there being kind of a hierarchy, everybody has defined roles, everybody makes a salary, and we're kind of, you know, trying to give the least amount of attention possible to the, the portfolio that we manage. Enjoying the episode so far? Have you really been listening to the episode or has your monkey mind been taking you off in one direction or another? Our mental habits can be our biggest assets or our biggest liabilities as we pursue certain goals. For me, the biggest performance gains have always come from training my mind. In my book, Mindful Landlord, I talk about how you can train your mind and how can you can apply some of these strategies to your journey in the real estate field. The book is available on Amazon and also on its website, mindfullandlord.com. Now I'll stop evangelizing for the power of mental training and let you get back to the show. Then, and this was, you know, something that I, I didn't take my own advice, <laughs> but just like with any other professional, getting references is really important. And I think it's especially important with a property manager because this person will operate with not very much supervision and you need to have an immense amount of trust. And when I say this, it's because they're going to be handling your money. So they're going to be cashing your rents and they're also going to be handling getting work done. And with getting work done, they're are really two issues. One of them is that it's very easy to get overcharged or to be charged for work that's done in a substandard way. So again, if it comes down to that time issue, when property managers get uh, a work order, and it's not really a question of, of bad ethics, it's more a question of lack of resources and the fact that it's a low margin industry. And so, you know, the property manager wants to send the plumber or they want to send uh, someone to go and take care of something. But before you pay them, are they really going to send someone to go and have a look, was the work done? Was it done in a proper way? And, and sometimes that can be difficult to coordinate. So this is brings me to the next point, which is the importance of the go and see. And so like really with, with the properties that of mine that I have under management, I have kind of a schedule of go and see. And that means that before I pay for major work or, uh, you know, after I give, you know, a list of things to do, I try to go and have a look at the properties and like go and assess what's really been done and if it's been done up to my standards. 
Now, if your property manager is managing something that's in another city or in a different part of the country, for sure this can be a challenge, but it's really important to insert those kind of checks and balances and to for the person to feel like you're kind of following up on what they're doing. And, you know, I'm thinking that there, there are multiple ways in which you can insert this, even if it's difficult for you to get in the car and go and have a look, you know, like I'll tell you uh, some of my properties that are two hour drive outside of, of my hometown, I'll go every three months and I'll go every three months, do a go and see, um, check on, you know, whatever units there's been work done. I go and make sure that what I paid for actually happened. So that's the first thing. And then if that's not feasible, you can always get the person to send you photos of the work that's been done. You could perhaps speak to the tenants and have them FaceTime you and uh, send you, you know, videos of, of anything. And then having some kind of external reference point that allows negative feedback to come back to you. And again, that can be by generating conversations with the tenants, or that can be by, you know, if you have some boots on the ground, maybe a realtor, maybe someone else who's in that market where your properties are, if you don't live there, have that person just go and do periodic go and sees, because it's really when you go and look at the property that you're going to have a sense for what's going on. Is there garbage accumulating? Are there maintenance problems that are not being taken care of? Is there, you know, something that visually you can see when you go to the property and very often you're able to nip things in the bud that way that the property manager who's like not entrepreneurially going to be going out to the property all the time. So this episode is actually just very short and sweet. I wanted to give you a, you know, a quick list of things that you can do when you're recruiting a property manager and with that relationship going forward. But I think that that's really like, you know, the main thing is to understand how professionals are paid. And that pay structure and the margins of their business are really going to tell you a lot about what the challenges are going to be in managing that relationship and where things kind of might get out of alignment because they might have one incentive, which in this case is to take on as much business as possible. And your incentive is to have your property managed in the best way possible and to have it get the most attention possible. So if you understand the challenges, then maybe you're able to like build in some checks and balances that will allow you to manage that relationship more successfully. And, you know, I think in the real estate industry, there's a lot of kind of, you know, talking about how, oh, it's so difficult to get a good property manager. Oh, like this is, you know, something that's very, it's very difficult to get right. And I think what you, one has to be realistic about the financial incentives, because if you're making, you know, $50 or $100 to manage a unit, per month and you expect that person who's taking that job on to be a professional and to manage with 100% attention, we all know what those people are worth on an hourly rate, especially even more now with inflation. So, you know, what kind of attention and what kind of service are you expecting to get? And given that fact, you have to build in checks and balances around that person. Maybe that means taking a little bit more work on yourself, but you have to do that if you're going to hope that the relationship will happen successfully. And if ultimately your investments continue to be profitable and you don't have, you know, time consuming and, and money sapping maintenance problems. So thank you for listening. If you found this useful, go ahead, share like, subscribe, share it with a friend who's having property management problems <laughs> and have a good week in real estate. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, remember to give us a rating, leave a comment, subscribe and share. You can find Terry at terryshower.com. 
Her book, Mindful Landlord, is available on Amazon. You can also follow her on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. JP is the president of the Real Estate Investors Club. You can learn more about the club's networking and educational activities on Facebook by searching for Real Estate Investors Club. Look to the show notes to find information on our guests and links to material mentioned in the episode.